Amen. All right. How many of you came to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Praise God. You made it through the weather and we're so appreciative. And those who are joining us online, perhaps you couldn't make it this morning, but we're glad that you're joining us online as well. Let's begin in the book of Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter 11. Turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 11. Let's begin there. A great, great book written by uh, Luke, the physician. Luke, uh, who was also had a profession as a doctor who traveled with the Apostle Paul. And Luke has given us some insights into the church, giving us some insight into how God is moving in the second, first century. And so we want to believe that it's still the same God in the 20th century, 21st century today as we look at his word. Acts chapter 11, uh, we're going to look at verse 25 to verse 26. And I tell this message, an introduction, it's called an introduction. It is what happens when you connect with somebody. What happens when you connect with somebody who has encountered God? Luke writes for us, and this is, should be the norm. This should be the DNA of every believer. And so in Acts chapter 11, verse 25 to 26, it says, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. That's 12 months. They met with the church and taught thought a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples, there's the key, were first called Christians. In Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So they spent a year teaching a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's break this down. If you're familiar with your Bibles, the book of Acts is really the book of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit and the work the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of the believer. The book of Acts is not written for the unbeliever. The book of Acts is written for the believer that the believer can see what the Holy Spirit is to do. Jesus promise that he will not leave us comfortless. He will not leave us as orphans. He says that the Holy Spirit will come and guess what the Holy Spirit will do? The Holy Spirit will do what? It will indwell you. He said so that you will always know that I'm with you and the Holy Spirit will always bring back to your remembrance what Jesus did. Not what's going on, but what Jesus did in the midst of what was going on. That's critical for us to understand as disciples, as disciples. It is important that we don't allow labels to stick on us to limit our influence as believers. That the enemy's job is to label you. He does it all the time and he loves to do that. He labels us with shame, with guilt, with condemnation. That's not God. That's not God. Even though we may do things that bring about that, God is still saying, that's not me. Aren't you glad for that? 
that when we put our foot in our mouth or we put our foot in the pie or we make decisions contrary to God's best will for our lives, the enemy automatically labels us, here's why, to limit God's grace on your life. To be able to say, God, what do you do with this one now? Look at what they've done. Look at how they have profaned your name. Look at what's happened. And God still says, take the labels off. Because the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us wants to bring us to a place, ready for this, where we understand what it means to have full conviction and full compassion as well. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is. Is to bring us to a place where we see the full conviction and the full compassion. They're not mutually exclusive. They actually works together. Someone say amen. Because it's the Holy Spirit who convicted you that gives you the compassion to love other people. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts you of your own shortcomings so that you can have compassion while the Holy Spirit's working on somebody else. So it's not about what's happened on the outside. It is about what God is doing on the inside that needs to manifest on the outside. Are you following me so far? I want to call that the DNA of the church. The DNA of the church. No other institution can brag or can say that that's how they function. Every other institution has structures that were built by man to try to bring some function to people's dysfunction. And so it's limited what we can do. And so when we come to the word of the Lord now, we can see now that God is at work breaking limitations off of our lives. The theme this morning that I realized as I was sitting, as we stand and worshiping, and I said, God, what do you want to share with your people? And he says, tell them about my love, but we've got to get to understand the fullness of God's love. That, that's one of the words that's been hijacked by society. And it makes no sense, church, that we don't tell them the whole story. It doesn't make any sense. If we don't tell them the whole story. And so here Luke is right. And Luke is saying to this to this person in, in Acts chapter 1. He said this is the account of what Jesus did. What Jesus taught. And he says now we're seeing the Holy Spirit. Who Jesus said is going to come. Is going to indwell people. So they can know what Jesus did. And what Jesus taught. What people need to know is what Jesus did. And what Jesus taught. That's it. He's the only one that is sinless. He's the only one, come on, that was full of grace and truth. He's the only one, come on somebody, that we can compare ourselves to. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the structure of which the church builds itself on. It's Jesus. And so then when we introduce ourselves to people, we ought to introduce them to Jesus. Come on. We must introduce them to Jesus. So when I meet you for the first time or we gather together and says, hey, how are you? What's your name? You could tell them your physical name. But by the time they leave your presence, they should say like the church and Acts that these people were called Christians. Why? Because they were acting like Christ. That's what it means in the first, second century. This particular Antioch group was trying to make some sort of nickname to them. They, they were trying to label them in a way that would try to explain what was going on. And so they said they were first, that's key word, they were first called Christians. Who were? The disciples were first called Christians. 
And the reason why that's important is the word Christian is mentioned three times in the scripture. One by Peter and, and two by Luke in the book of Acts. And so when we take a look at this, we have to recognize now that, that who are the disciples of Christ? Because here's what the world needs. The world needs the disciples of Christ to start to shine their light so that people can see what it means to live a convicted life and live a life that's full of compassion. Our children needs to see what it means to have convictions as parents. Our children needs to know what it means to have compassion. We need a safe place. And the only place that is safe is right in between conviction and compassion because stand Christ right in the middle of both of those. That's what they thought for a one year, 12 months. They were teaching the people what Jesus did and what Jesus was doing for one whole year. Let me ask you a question. What's happening in your life? When we take a look at 2020, we see what's happening. We're wondering, oh my goodness, what is going on? What is happening? But if we would remove, remove from our eyes fear, if we can just remove the fear that's being propagated, that, that's being, that, 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 that's being thrown out there, if we can just remove the fear, you can see what God is doing. Oh, I love this church. Come on. And we've been called by God to be people. We don't live by fear. No, no, no. We will not embrace fear at any level. We won't confuse concern with fear. Come on. We won't confuse. You got to use wisdom with fear. No, the devil is a liar. We don't operate in fear at all. And so when you introduce yourself to people, you want to tell them what's happening. And so in Acts chapter 11, if you go to verse 21, here's what's happening in Acts chapter 11, verse 21. Here's the DNA of the church. Here's what's happening. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And that's what's going on. That when you introduce yourself to people, what they're going to realize is the hand of the Lord is upon you. Not as some puppet. Come on. But as his presence. And so in Acts 11, we're seeing, and the hand of the Lord was with them. We can't go anywhere without God's hands being upon us. Why? Because some people won't celebrate you and give you a hand clap. Come on. But you need to know that the hand of the Lord is upon you. That when you need to have courage, the hand of the Lord is upon you. And so we say, what's happening? The hand of the Lord is with us. No matter what's going on, no matter what the enemy is doing, no matter what people are saying, we're going to declare that the hand of the Lord is with us. That's the witness that we can experience. Why do we want the hand of the Lord to be upon us? Well, the Bible says, if you look at the book of Ezekiel, that there was a nation that had no hope, that they were dry, it was bones. But the Bible says the hand of the Lord took the prophet and he brought him into the valley of dry bone. And he says, prophesy to these bones. I know things look dry right now. And I know things look hopeless right now. But what's happening? And the prophet said he hadn't heard the sound. 
Here the sound was moving and things were coming back to life. Things were coming back to life. Why? Because the hand of the Lord was on the prophet. I'm here to tell you that you can break off limitations by changing hands. Come on. Tell the devil to take his hands off of you and ask the Lord to put his hands upon you. Come on. You got to know what you can touch and what you don't want to touch. And so because the hand of the Lord is upon me, I know I'm an extension of his hand. Come on. And so God's hands touches me. Therefore, I touch you. You and I introduce myself by saying, welcome to what God is doing in my life. We really call that testimony service. How many remember testimony service? Come on. Well, we used to testify. We said, brothers and sisters, come on. God is doing this in my life. But the enemy has silenced us now that we don't give testimonies anymore. We're just moaning and we're not giving testimonies. But I'm here to tell you that God is doing great things in your life. And we got to testify and tell people that the hand of the Lord is upon me. What's happening? Is what people are asking. And so he says, the hand of the Lord is with me in a great number who believe there's the key who believe they did what they turned to the lord that's verse 21 so what's happening in the midst of all the chaos what's happening in the midst of everything that's going on god is at work and he's turning people who believe he's turning them to the lord and that's why we can't be a discouraged people we got to be a people of hope we got to be a people that is thanking god that no matter what happens he's the same yesterday today and forevermore those who believe are turning to the lord and we believe come on with everything inside of us that come friday and saturday that young people are going to be turning their hearts to the Lord why because the hand of the Lord is with us and with them and so verse 22 is really neat because it wasn't just that it was private now we're in public and contrary to what the world says your private life does affect your public life and so here it says now that this thing couldn't be contained my God this thing couldn't be contained this wasn't some seeker friendly service This was people wanting this word to get out. And so it says in 22, the report of this came to the ears of the church where in Jerusalem, where it all started. And they recognize what's happening in Antioch. And it says the hand of the Lord is moving. People are turning to the Lord. And what do they do? They said we have to send some grace gift. We got to send somebody to this. And they sent Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement. And so Barnabas gets to Antioch now, and the Bible says when he came, he saw the grace of God. He saw the DNA of this revival. He saw that this was a reform. He saw that what he noticed was the grace of God was upon the people. And so when people walk through these doors, or they're watching us online, and when you introduce yourself to people, you want people to recognize that the grace of God is on your life. Oh my goodness, if it had not been for the grace of God on my life, His mercy, His love, My favorite hymn is Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. He's working in my life, and if he's working in your life, and you've experienced the grace of God, take five seconds out and give God some praise. Give him some glory. Give him honor and worship him. 
What's happening? It's the grace of God. What's happening? It's the mighty move of the hand of God on my life. There is no way I feel this in my spirit. People can walk to those doors or encounter your life and now walk away saying something is happening. Oh, good God Almighty. You don't talk like everybody else. Come on. You don't act like everybody else. Something is different about you. And you would say it's the grace of God because that's what saved me. That's what saved me. And so I'm going somewhere with this because where God has taken us, we must come together. And we come together because of the grace of God. And he says he was glad. He was glad and he exhorted them, verse 23, to remain what? Faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. One of the words that I love is the word purpose. It's the word purpose. And what I do is I like to find seven letter words that are in the scriptures that are impactful. And purpose is one of those words. You see, the word purpose means the original intent of a thing. The word purpose means that he's telling them is that, is that listen, listen, Antioch church, the grace of God is on your life, but, but there's a purpose for why God is moving in your life. Do you know the purpose of why God is moving in your life? Well, let me ask you this way. Do you know the purpose of God's presence? Because when you know the purpose of God's presence, you don't want to offend it. Come on. When you know the purpose of God's presence, you, you want to honor it. And the way it works is this, that the Bible says when Jesus was baptized, he came up and it says a dove, like a dove. The Holy Spirit was like, like a dove. It wasn't a dove, it was like a dove. And it rested upon him. And if you know thing about a dove is that it's, it's a bird that's there and you got to move ever so slowly. You got to move. Why? Because you don't want to disrupt the presence so it leaves. Oh God. And so the presence rested upon Jesus, and that's why he's able to go in ministry. So when he was baptized, he was immediately brought into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He didn't go. He had the presence on him because in order to defeat the enemy, he needed the presence of God upon him. Moses says, don't send me if your presence is not going with me. And how many times we step into things without asking God's presence? Come on, we must ask God's presence. Why? Because we want no purpose. Because the original understanding of presence is purpose. It is purpose. And so what he's saying is this. He's saying that, listen, stay with God's purpose, which is God's presence. So in other words, this grace that you have that's on your life, stay with it. Oh, God. Now, the enemy is going to want to take the presence of God from you. He does. He wants to do it. And so he has been on this assignment from the garden. He's been on the assignment. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. The reason why persecution comes to the body of Christ is not because of us. It's because of the presence of God that's on us. The enemy is after Christ. That's what he's after. He wants to destroy the body of Christ. And so if we don't know purpose then, because the opposite of not knowing purpose is this. It's you will abuse or you will not understand the use of a thing and you abuse it now. So we are people filled with grace abusing each other that don't make any sense. 
And the reason for that is because we don't know purpose. And so here is Barnabas saying, stay with purpose so you don't abuse one another when God is moving. Because what's happening, come on, you can't be just when God's moving in someone's life and you're asking God for your blessing. No, celebrate what God's doing in their life and God is going to honor and bless you what's happening in your life. Oh, that's so good. Come on. So ready for this? We all have different missions, but we have the same purpose. We all have different missions, and so I celebrate your mission, and I encourage you. And when you introduce yourself to me, you tell me about your mission. Why? Because I know your purpose, why you're in my life. And so you're coming to my life then to encourage me, as Barnabas did, to stay with purpose while you're on mission. Oh, God. And so we give no room for the enemy now to destroy the body of Christ. We become one. We become one. And so Paul, excuse me, Barnabas is right. And he said, here's why. Here's why. Because out in the world, here is what's going on. The world is divided. But that's nothing new for Jesus. He came into a divided world. So we're all thinking, oh my gosh, what's happening? Everything's going on. And Jesus is saying, what's wrong with you? I came in a world that was divided. Because in Galatians, he says this, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. In other words, he came specifically when Rome was in power. He came a specific time when Rome gave Jerusalem or Israel their makeshift way of worship. He came at the exact time when he needed to come because he knows exactly what was happening. And so because of that now, here's the deal. Because the world is divided and because we didn't protect the presence of God as the church, the enemy brought the world into the church. Oh, God. And so the grace now, come on. That we used to have for one another. We don't have it anymore. Because the world brought a system in. Come on. Who just stayed dormant until there was time to show its head. Come on. And they just said, we'll, we'll, we'll outweigh the church. We'll, we'll just wait on them because eventually they won't talk about sin anymore. And so I heard a statement which is so profound. And because the grace of God. See, when the grace of God is being preached, you could talk about sin because you'll always see the Savior. Anytime someone preaches about sin without bringing the Savior, that's condemnation. Come on, somebody. Every time you open your mouth because you've got to speak the truth in love. But if you don't bring the grace of God on your life, people will see a condemnation and they don't want your God. And so what happens is the world came into the church. Not overnight, of course not. Just real subtle. Just just to a place of where we got busy and and, and we have other things to do. And, And please hear this message from the grace that's there. I'm not saying longer time means more of God. But what I am saying is that The more of God you get, the longer the time is. (laughs) 
And so there comes to this place where, where, where we're in the presence of God and you never want it to end. And so what happens is this. When the enemy came in and did everything, here's what happened. Here now, here now is the conclusion. Remember, I just read that the report of the church, it came to Jerusalem. And here's the report now that's coming, I believe, to heaven. And here's the thing now. Divided we stand. Not divided we fall. No, that's the world. But in the church, it's divided we stand. And so we're going to stand this way divided. And what happens is now we're limiting the move of God in our life. And so the reason why divided we stand is because fear has infiltrated the body of Christ. Because Paul told Timothy, God did not give you a spirit of what? Fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And so therefore to preach the gospel and to live this life of of living conviction with compassion, you cannot live by fear. No, no, no. Because what will happen is this, is that fear will give an opening to all sorts of things to come into your life. In its Bible, divided we stand. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 to 13, Paul's not afraid to write about this. Paul writes and says, yeah, divided we stand. And, and so 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 and 13, here's what Paul is saying. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that you all agree are you out of your mind Paul you want us to all agree that's what the Bible says am I right that is what the Bible says and that there be no divisions among you but that you be what unite in the same mind or that word attitude and the same judgment discernment so Paul is introducing something now that they can use as a tool, as a resource to come together. He's not saying you want to have different of opinions. Come on, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that as opposed to see your differences, find what unifies you. Oh God. And so he's saying here, when you look at it, he says, be in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Cleo's people. So look at it. So here it is now. He's moving in Antioch. And the grace of God is there. That's been reported to the ears of the church. And here is Paul now saying what the report he's hearing now by Cleo's people is that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. And he explains it. What I mean is that each of you say, I follow Paul. Or I follow Apollos. Or I follow Peter. Or Caiaphas. Or I follow Christ. And then he says, is Christ divided? Let's pause there for a second. He doesn't say, am I divided? No, he goes right to, is the anointing of God divided? Is the Messiah divided? Answer that question and you'll find your unity. Come on. And the answer must be, he's not divided. Come on. Mm -mm, He's not. If you read in the scriptures, it talks about that there were five garments that that a man would wear, uh, that they would have on them. And so the Bible says that when they were crucifying Jesus, so they began to the place to flog him, to, to beat him, that it says that they cast lots and they divided four of the garments amongst the soldiers. But there was one particular item. It was a tunic. It was a coat. And it was all one piece. And so they were trying to say, how do we divide this one piece? Come on. And they realized we can divide everything else, but we can't divide what covers them. Oh, good. 
And so they say, we can't rip this thing apart. Come on. That is a biblical principle to let you know that what covers the body of Christ, that when the grace of God covers us, come on, no devil, no demon, no sickness, no cancer, no headache, come on, no depression can separate. We are covered. Ah, good God Almighty. And even the enemy says, we can't divide that. That we can divide everything else, but we can't divide the thing that covers them. And he's saying right here, is Christ divided? So, so what we see is we have these tremendous gifted preachers. And what they missed was these people had different missions. What Paul was called to was different than what Peter was called to. But the purpose was unite Christ. Come on. So when you introduce yourself to someone and do that, please, as a believer, it's no longer time to hide. It's time for you to shine your life. And everyone you meet, introduce yourself. Hello, I come in the grace of God. I come because God is at work in my life. I come because I have a mission, I have a purpose to accomplish. And I will not allow the enemy to cause there to be division. Is Christ divided? Then Paul says, was I crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So Paul is saying, listen, don't make me an idol. Come on. The wisdom I bring to you is the wisdom from God. If you're not seeing Christ in my preaching, then I've got to go look back at what I'm preaching. Come on. Because if you don't walk away saying I encounter Jesus, come on. They were first called Christ followers at Antioch. And so when people recognize that, that they look at that. So, so what is the result? What is the result? There are two things that happens when a church stays divided. When a church is say divided we stand, here's what happens. Is that they produce carnal Christians and culture Christians. And that's what happens when we divided we stand. It's not divided we fall, that's the world. But when we stand, what we're producing now, and the witness we're sending to the world who's divided, we're telling them this, that the result of being in community is that you can now be a carnal Christian or a cultural Christian. That's what we're telling the world. But that's not what's happening. Come on. God is moving. He's baptizing. He's blessing. He's setting people free. People are being delivered from drugs and alcohol. Come on. There's a great move of God going on in California. Don't believe the media. Don't believe the hype. They want to keep us divided, but God is moving. Wherever God's people come together, God is moving by his grace and by his spirit. And so I'm going to declare the message of the church is that Jesus Christ is still Lord. He is still Lord. And so we're fighting against carnal Christian. And and what is that? A carnal Christian is someone who advocates and they teach that people can receive Jesus as savior, as fire insurance without submitting themselves to his lordship. We have not told the full story. And there are people walking down and seeing why is it not working? Why is things not happening in my life? And the reason because we told them, well, he's your savior, but we haven't told them about the lordship of Jesus Christ. So here is Christ now trying to do the full work. And all of a sudden it's like, why isn't God working in my life? That's because you made him savior. Yes, I can't judge that. But have you made him Lord? Have you have the fruit of the spirit? Do you have the fruit of the grace? Why? Because the Bible says Barnabas saw the grace of God. So there should be some evidence in your life. Come on, that you've been introduced to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's not beating you up. That's wanting to get blessings to you. Come on. Who wants to beat you up? I want to give blessings. God wants to get blessings to you. 
And so there are people you're going to encounter that are carnal Christians. What do you do with them? What do you do with someone who, who, who doesn't present the Lordship of Jesus Christ? you got to be in a place of conviction and compassion. Come on. Because the enemy will like to let me see how you're going to treat your brother now who haven't come to the full knowledge or perhaps maybe there's some struggle. There's some area in their life that they're still needing God to work on. And that's how his lordship. See, the lordship is the master. Come on. That's what you want. He saves your spirit. Come on. And he's saving your soul. But you want deliverance. Come on. Who wants deliverance? You want deliverance. And not just the first level of salvation. Carnal Christians. And so what happens when we meet carnal Christians, we have carnal warfare. We have carnal warfare. And what happens is now we're fighting and we're not using weapons of our warfare, which are spiritual. We are using our opinions. Come on, we're using everything else. And so now there's a great divide and the world looks as I don't want anything to do with that. Because the question is, what's happening to the church? And the question is that we're coming together. The question is we're still divided and we're standing. That's worse. It's worse. Savior, but not Lord. Savior, but not Lord. We, we, we see this in the deliverance of the nation of Israel from Egypt. That he saved them from the taskmasters. He, he saved them from the oppression. But what they struggled with was walking in freedom. And so even in that, the word was going to all the other nations. Look out for Israel. Look out for this nation. Because the God that they serve is destroying and uh, 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 removing every other king. Come on. If we can just get a glimpse into the spirit realm of what God is doing on your behalf and my behalf. You would bow down and say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You are Lord of my life. So how does a carnal Christian get free? Turn off the TV. <laughs> they get free when we turn off the TV. And what I mean by that is not physically turn it off. That's great. But what I mean by that is get a different vision. <laughs> Tell your vision. Come on, somebody. And so what happens is because they're watching television, they're being discipled by cable news choices, and they're being spiritually shaped by the social media feed. Social media will only feed your bias and not feed your brains. And so what happens is that this thing's being reinforced now, and so there are people who are sharing that Jesus is Savior, but they have no idea what it means for him to be Lord. And so what happens is we come out of the gate with our bias and we don't come out of our gate being biblical. And so when you're biblical, you speak the truth and love. We got to be biblical, folks. We got to be biblical. There's a medicine, I think it's called Buckley's. It, it doesn't taste good, but it works. And so the word of God is food, is nourishment. And there's certain texts that are just difficult, let's just be honest, to handle. They're difficult texts to handle in the word of God. But I must submit to the word of God. I can't do this, folks. It's what carnal Christians do. Here is the standard, and here's where I'm at. Divided. And so what we do is this. 
we lower this to meet where we are. As opposed to the standard elevating us. Because when people see that you've grown, they see the grace of God on your life. Oh, God. And so that's what we've done in carnal Christian. And, and so the other one, uh, be, being a culture Christian, is this. See, a culture Christian is not as bad as a carnal Christian, perhaps. But, but I love this quote from, from Eugene Cho. He says this. He says, cultural Christianity is when our theology is held captive by our politics rather than our politics being informed and even transformed by our theology. What I mean by that is that it's not wrong to speak about politics. We must. There's one thing I call the law of politics. But what I'm here to tell you is that only the church, come on, only the church can take theology and put in our politics that makes it now become transformational. Good God Almighty. So now we know how to govern. We know how to be people of standard. We know how to be people, come on, that knows how to walk and that knows how to be a witness of what God is doing in our lives. Are you with me, somebody? And that's the key that we must understand. So we don't shy away from dealing with political issues. Are you out of your mind? Who else is going to talk about it if we don't talk about it as the church? Who else is going to give directions? Who else is going to talk about what's happening? If the church doesn't become the conduit to be able to bring the kingdom of God, good God Almighty, the world is in so much trouble. We are the answer to what's going on. And so how can we stay silent? We can't stay silent out of your mind. So you see, the easy thing to do is this. The easy route is to pick a side and just stand there shouting and only contribute to the noise of the media. That's it. The other side is, is to be non-confrontational, to be seeker sensitive. Seeker sensitive. It's because people became biblically illiterate that we have to bring the word of God down. I'm not talking about explain the word of God. That's different. I'm talking about actually bringing it down to their level. Because what we have done is we have domesticated God, therefore we have domesticated demons. And so because the God of the Old Testament is too large and too big for us, we bring him down to our liking. And what I have to do, I have to rustle. I'm her. I have to rustle with the scriptures. I have to look at certain texts and be saying, God, what are you saying in this text? My flesh doesn't like it. And I don't like when you tell me to die myself. I want that. I'm the only one. No, come on. I want that. It's my birthday. Let them get it for, come on. I have desires and sometimes they're not pleasing to God. So when I go into his word, he brings a conviction that I need. So therefore I don't lower the standard, but I come up to meet the standard in Christ. So if we don't teach the Bible, how can people live the Bible? So in being seeker sensitive, you're not actually advancing the kingdom. You're actually limiting its work. Help me somebody. So, so, so this is what we do. This is what we do. This is what we do. So we are to love people. We are. And I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. But loving people is not the same as sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the same thing. Love me all you want to, but please tell me the message of God. I get to reconcile with God. 
So feed me, yes. But tell me, how do I live? And so you have to be a people of love, of course, all through scriptures. But that's not the same thing as sharing the gospel of Christ. What they did in Antioch was they shared the gospel of Christ. And that's what we must do. We must share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so here are the people. And so this is what God gave us as a ministry. And this is what I want to leave with you in in a few moments I have with you. Here's what it is. The key thing is this, is how do we take people who have different opinions and people who are diverse in mission? Come on. But united in purpose. How do we do that? And the answer is we do life together. You see, the easy thing is to pick a side. And the easy thing is to be non-confrontational. But the hard work is doing life together. And so what they were teaching the scriptures was this. We must do life together. Because what God is doing, when you ask people what is happening in your life, tell them God is doing life together. And so we break it down by this. And so in John chapter 17, verse 20, 23, my last scripture, I promise, John chapter 17, verse 20 and 23. Well, I can't promise you may give me another one, but I'm saying this is my last scripture. So in John chapter 17, verse 20 and 23, I love this. Jesus now is praying. Jesus. He's praying, not my prayer, but Jesus, he's praying. And so he's praying. He says, these are two things I'm looking for in a united church, in a body that's one. Here's what I'm looking for. The first thing he says is this, is that I need confident Christians. Come on. I need confident Christians who know how to do life together. Confident Christians who know that the source of their confidence is God. Because when God is a source of your confidence, write this down, you will not be trapped by the temptations of the enemy. Because in Mark chapter, I believe it's Mark chapter 12. I believe it's Mark chapter 12. Let me go there real quick. See, I said I wasn't getting another scripture, but I, I did. I want to show you this. Mark chapter 12. This is so good. I think it's 12. Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Yeah, yeah, Mark chapter 12, go to verse 18. No, 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 come on. No, 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 no. I think it's Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. No, that's not it, come on. I'm about to find it, I'm about to find it, I'm about to find it. It's where the Pharisees and the Herodians came to Jesus and they tried to trick him. And they come to him and they're saying, uh, Jesus, um, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or, or to God? It, it's, I believe it's Mark chapter 14. I'll, I'll get it to you before. Do you find it? 12? Okay, Mark 12. Can't be 12. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there, there it is. Come on. I was right there. Mark chapter 12. And verse number 13. And look what it says. And they sent, Mark, Mark 12, verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to do what? To trap him in his talk. Look what they said to him about, about confident Christian. And they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are true 
and you don't care about anyone's opinion. <laughs> that is so cool. They come to trap him, and then they say, we know that you don't care about anybody's opinion. And he goes on, and he says this as well, because that's what we have to be. He goes on, and he says this. He says, um, um, for you are not swayed by appearance, but truly teach the way of God. That's a confident Christian. Stay with me. Because when I introduce myself to you and you introduce yourself to me, there should be a confidence that's inside of you that I'm like, oh my goodness, you are not moved by man's opinion. You know your mission. You know your assignment. Come on. You know your mission. You know your assignment. You know your mission. You know your assignment. I need for you to stay in mission so purpose can manifest. And if the devil can trap you out of your mission, come on, it takes you out of the equation. And so therefore unity has stopped. And so what he's saying is this, know your mission. Why? Because a confident Christian knows I can't be trapped by the appearance and by the opinions of men. And so we see right there with Jesus that they're going to be able to say, you teach the way of God. You te- What a compliment. That when I hear you talk, you teach the way of God. That's what we want to be able to, to, to be able to hear. And so here we see Jesus now in John chapter 17, verse 20. He's praying and listen to what he says. He says, I do not ask for these only. He's praying for his disciples. And then he expands. He says, I don't just ask for these only. Ready? But also for those who will believe in me through their what? Their word. Verse 21, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. What an assignment. So when people ask, how do you come together as people, as diverse as you are? And how do you come together with the freedom to have your difference of opinions? How do you do that? It's because we understand the greater purpose is that the hand of the Lord God is on us. Come on. And so we want the world to know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. That's why we do life together. That's why we do life together. And so people can say, how can you come together in a world that's so divided? How do you come together? It's Jesus Christ because he's not divided. That's our message that we tell people. He's not divided. And so he knows about every single cause, everything that is so important to you. Jesus Christ said it's important to me. Come on, somebody. That there's not an issue that you're facing. There's not a cause that you're not, come on, there's not a cause that you're not committed to that he says, I don't want to deal with it. Come to Jesus with your pain. Come to Jesus with your issues. Come to Jesus. But come to him confident. And here's what he says. This is what happens. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Stop it right there. Hold on a second. What's happening? Church, the glory that Jesus had, he prayed, let them have the same glory What kind of prayer 
is that he knew that once he exit the scene, come on, that the enemy will come out like a ruthless lion, come on, and try to take away the glory of God from the earth. And he says, God, give him the same glory that I had and that you gave to me. Just give it to him. That they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may be become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me, watch this now, and love them even as you love me. Two things I want you to write down or get this in your mind. Two things. This is, this is your takeaway. This is your takeaway. This is conviction and compassion. Summarize right here. See, God wants to introduce you to people. He does. Because he wants you to be a witness of the wonders of what's happening. He wants, so what you're going through, that loss, that pain, that situation, just don't throw away your confidence. No, 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 no. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't, don't get to a place where you domesticate God because it didn't work out the way that you planned. Don't, don't, don't do that. See him in his bigness. See God for who he is. Two things. Write these down. Here's the first one. They will know we are Christians by our love. That's compassion. That's compassion. I'm going to break it down for you and tell you how do you commit to these two truths. They will know we are Christians by our love. And the second thing is this, that he prayed here is this. They will know Christ is real by our unity. They will know that you're Christians by your love and by our love, but they will know Christ is real by our unity. That's the conviction that must happen because without Christ, we can't do anything. We can't do anything. So how do we do these two things? Here's what committed Christians ask for, and I want you to ask for this in the weeks to come. Here's what I want you to ask for. I'm closing my Bible because Richie's playing, so here it is. Here's what we must do. Here is, as the pastor of this church, as we engage in cultural issues, as we engage in cultural issues, not for the sake of dividing the church, but for the sake of the world knowing that we are one, is why we engage the cultural issues. It's not a cultural war because we're already one. It's a demonstration issue. We must demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how does that look like, Pastor? Because sign me up. I'm a confident believer. Sign me up. How does that, what does that look like? Here is the hard work that we must do. You ready for this? Here is the hard work that as a pastor of this church, here is what I've committed myself to. Here's what God's called me to do. He says, Road, this is what I've called you to do. That from the moment, almost five years ago, when he says, I'm sending you to Marion, he says, listen, that there are many people out there that want to know me. He says, there's many people in this city that's crying out for me. So I'm sending you, not with your vision, but with my 
my vision. Don't come with your opinion. Come with what I've told you. And what God told us was this. Was doing life together is the DNA and the culture of this church. That we will do the hard work because God in his grace has assigned us to do the hard work of coming together. To show our love, but to also say Christ is real. Come on. So we're going to see deliverance, people set free from demonic things. We're going to see people come on free and delivered. Is there anybody that want to testify and come in agreement with me that people are going to be set free? Drug dealers, come on. People with the, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hey, my God. I see them coming through these doors. And see, I'm coming for a people who wants to do life together. I'm coming from a people where the grace of God is there. And they won't label me when I walk through those doors. But they will hold the standard of the word of God so high that Christ will bring me up. And here is how we do it. We must protect and promote the biblically balanced approach to life as taught by Jesus Christ. If we, as the followers of Christ, do not approach every issue with this mindset or frame of reference, we will fall prey. We will be trapped to a demonic culture and we will domesticate the God of the Bible. You see... What happens is this, is that we cannot hinder what God is doing because God wants us to witness the wonders of his redemption, redemptive history in the earth. So here is the altar call. Here is how we do it. This is so good. Not because I got it, but because God gave this to me. Here's how we do it. Every single one of you right now, every single one of you, I mean, every single one of you, here's how we do it. So when you meet people and you walk up to him, he says, hi, my name is Rowan. You tell me your name. And what we're doing is this, is that we are now not judging each other, but we're discerning. Oh, God. We're discerning because we have the same mind and the same judgment. What is God doing in your life? Come on. And so what happens now is this, because wherever there's a place in my life that's not lined up with God's word, I have to trust you that you out of love and with making Christ real will line me up to God's will for my life. You love me enough to do that. That where I'm wrong in my theology, come on, you're going to line me up so I'm biblically balanced. Don't you see something in my life and let me walk away from that place being lied to and deceived. What kind of love is that? You have to sit down. Let's have a cup of coffee because we want to discern because we want to have the same mind and the same judgment. Come on, not to expose me, but to expose the devil that's trying to hinder me. Come on, somebody. You want to recognize that demonic spirit. Is it possible? Jesus did it, so therefore we can do it. Get thee behind me, Satan. Looked at Peter and says, Peter, the enemy is trying to get you. Get thee behind me, Satan, for you don't want the things of God. You want the things of men. Are we going to be confident and committed to be able to speak that way? We must to every issue. Every issue. We must be a people who are not afraid to engage in a political system. We must be a people who's going to come with love, but come with discernment. So here's what we must do. We must be discerning between our feelings. 
our emotions. But don't disregard them. Don't disregard my feelings. Because I want to be emotionally healthy. I got to hurry. So when people come into the body of Christ and their emotions are all over the place, you need to be able to recognize that that's a feeling, but don't disregard it because after all, I'm human. I'm human and I feel. And so when we introduce ourselves to each other, you're discerning. Okay, that's a feeling. I'm going to put over here. I'm not going to disregard it. I'm going to put over here. And so we're talking now over a cup of coffee. And I'm not just wasting time. I'm being intentional. And I'm recognizing that feeling. That's a soft spot. So I'm going to be very what? I'm going to have the same mind, same judgment. I can't put more wound in that. Come on. I've got to be sensitive to that. Because my goal is for the grace of God to manifest. We also must get the facts though. And we must get the facts correct. We have to. Because we've got to know from false from what's facts and from what is false. And so therefore we must get the facts correct. And this is people's experiences. And so at the same time we must acknowledge people's pain. But I must tell you the fact. And not just leave it with your feelings. So doing life together is where we recognize now these are the facts that's happening. So what I do as a pastor, when I'm meeting with you, I'm talking to anybody, I want to be able to discern the feelings. And I'm like, okay, I see that. But I also want to get to the facts because the facts may be you're a victim and you need to recognize you're victorious. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. That's so good. Because how dare you leave my presence still as a victim and not walk away being victorious. If we're going to do life together, I'm going to tell you the devil has no longer has a hold on you. You now are free. I know it was an experience, but it's not truth. Oh, God. And so now we get to the purpose of discernment. And now with the purpose of discernment, what we do is through faith, we embrace the absolute truth of God's word that being healed and being in harmony is what it's like doing life together. And so all of a sudden now what happens is this. We don't give any room for the enemy to come in. So we can talk about sensitive issues. We can talk about issues that the world can't talk about. We can talk about it because we can do something about it. And so we do life together recognizing that what I just described to you, do you recognize fear was no place at all? You can't do this if you walk in fear. You can't do this if you walk in fear. And so this is what we must do because where else can I go when I'm wounded and I'm hurting? If I can't come to the body of Christ and be able to say, this is what's going on. Are you a confident Christian? Are you a committed Christian? In this ministry, we do life together. And I'm committed and I'm confident that what's happening in this house is just a little glimpse of what God is doing all over this city and all over this state. We can make a difference, folks. We can make a difference. We can make a difference. 
See, I leave you with this. Are we going to be able to do life together after the election? Because the world is watching. And will they say they were first called Christians? Come on. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to know him. Not just as fire insurance. I want you to know life. I want you to be able to know life and life more abundant. That's what it means to accept Jesus Christ. It's not just to remove the guilt. He takes it away. It's not to remove the shame. He takes it away. It's to experience life again. Experience life again. And all you have to do is what the scripture tells us. Believe in Jesus. And in believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the transformation takes place. The transformation takes place. For those who are here and those who are watching online, here's what I want you to do. I want you to declare every day when you wake up I want you to declare by faith not fear declare by faith I'm a confident Christian come on Ooh, could God Almighty say that when you wake up I'm a confident Christian and when you leave your home you remain a committed Christian then the next person you have coffee with, the next person you sit down with, you want to be discerning because you want to be of the same mind and same judgment. And when you introduce yourself to them, they will know that they have been introduced to Christ. The anointed one. Come on. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you and we magnify you. We glorify you. And as I launched these, your people, I thank you that your hand is upon them. Right now, right now. Last thing. Raise your hand. Come on. The hand of the Lord is upon you. The hand of the Lord is upon you. The hand of the Lord is upon you. And what's happening is that God is at work in your life by the Holy Spirit. So be blessed. Live prosperous. Elevate Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But in all things, do life together. For this is the will of God concerning you. In Jesus' name, amen.